Hey everyone, my name is Ajay Tucker, host of the Ajay Tucker Podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is Ajay Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Tuesday. Hopefully you guys spend time with your family and friends, enjoying your Mother's Day, as well as watching tennis along the way. There's a little bit of news that we can get into to for today. We can obviously get into the, into the semifinals of the ATP uh, Madrid Open. We can get into the final of the WTA uh, Madrid Open uh, with Ashley Barty and Arena uh, Sabalenka. And we can also get into Elon Musk hosting SNL, as well as my weekly pick. But I think we'll start off with, obviously... Uh, the most important news that came out was, which was the Madrid Open final that occurred on Sunday. And it was a pretty good final. I really enjoyed it. Between Zverev and Berrettini, Sasha Zverev, Alexander Zverev, if you haven't heard, won against Matteo Berrettini, 6-7, 6-4, 6-3. And what I want to do is, similar to what what happened with the Barcelona Open, what I really want to do is be able to give you the abridged version as to what happened, and then talk a little bit as to how Zverev won against Berrettini. Uh, again, my apologies uh, that I wasn't able to film uh, the episode uh, last Thursday, but hopefully we're back to normal, we're back to schedule, just got the new MacBook, uh, so we're back, okay, so we're back, let's go. Uh, but yeah, I'll just give you a bridge version as to what happened and what transpired over the match, and then I'll discuss in detail as to how Zverev won against Berrettini and what to expect in terms of not only the Italian Open, but also the Roland Garros as well. So uh, let's let's start. So first set, uh, Zverev, beginning the match, starts with an ace-15 love. Uh, there was a nice drop shot by Zverev uh, later in that game, which brought Berrettini to the net. Zverev hits a drop shot for a winner. Uh, by Berrettini to make it 15 all. Uh, double fall by Zverev makes it 15 30. Zverev holds serve to go up uh, 1 0. And then sometime in, later in that game, uh, there was a volley by Berrettini to make it 30 15. Berrettini brings Zverev up to the net. Nice overhead smash by Zverev to make it 30 all. Same sequence happened uh, and transpired in the next game uh, for, to the next point uh, as. Uh, Berrettini goes up uh, to be 40-30. Nice drop shot by Berrettini during the rally to make it one, one once again deuce. Nice ace by Berrettini. Advantage goes to fifth deuce. That was a pretty long game. Uh, but eventually Berrettini holds with an ace to make it 1-1. And you really saw the beginning of a successful pattern for Berrettini where he's able to have a lot of drop shots, incorporate a lot of drop shots, a lot of ground strokes as well. And... That first game, obviously, Berrettini would win, and stuff like that would obviously be the catalyst for it. Uh, so again, Berrettini holds ace to, make, uh, to tie 1-1. Uh, nice return served by Berrettini to make it 30-15, even though Zverev had the uh, upper hand that time. Ace by Zverev makes it advantage. Zverev holds serve as it goes to 2-1 on changeover. Zverev serves and returns for a winner. Um, so yeah. And then Berrettini, the next game, ends up holding serve to make it 2-2. Uh, Zverev holds serve to make a 3-2 on changeover. Berrettini uh, tries a drop shot but doesn't go over the net, and uh, that would sort of be the uh, the message, or that would basically be the action that would occur in the second and third set as Berrettini would get tired. So that was essentially a blueprint uh, for what would happen later in the match. But uh, oh, during that time, it was 15-30 Zverev after that drop sh- after that failed drop shot. Nice winner by Berrettini cross court forehand. 30-all, nice sequence by Berrettini, makes Zverev go to the other side of the court as Berrettini volleys drop shots, I think, some sort of combination between the two. I didn't really check it out during that time, but uh, it was a nice volley drop shot combo to make 40-30, I'm guessing. Uh, Berrettini holds to make a 3-all, Zverev only had four winners uh, through that first set, and I was like very, like, I wouldn't say scared, but I was sort of like mindful of that because I never really saw Zverev at that moment really be on the down and out. And usually he would actually win against his opponents during, like you have to really think about it. Like, because before the final, I mean, Zverev did not lose a set. I mean, he was just, he was just dominating all fronts and all accords. It was basically like Sitsipas at Monte Carlo. Uh, but with this one, he was able to uh, 
sort of not necessarily play to his uh, game at that first set. Obviously, things change, and we'll deal. We will detail it as thing as things will surely come up and uh, about. But uh, yeah, that was very uh, weird for Zverev to only had four winners at that point in time. But uh, nice ace by Zverev to make it 30-40. Uh, Berrettini breaks, makes it four three. Uh, nice ace by Berrettini makes it 30-40 again. Long rally ends in Zverev breaking Berrettini and make it 4-4. All right, so uh, yeah, this is where things get spicy here because obviously it was a stalwart, but uh, uh, Berrettini really shined through uh, later in that first set as well. So uh, yeah, uh, let's just continue on. Uh, nice ground stroke and then volley by Zverev to make it 30-love. Nice ace by Zverev to make it 40-love. Zverev holds, makes it 5-4 and changeover. Uh, nice down the line forehand makes it 15-0 uh, Berrettini. Nice ace Berrettini makes it 40 love. Berrettini holds makes it five all. Uh, Zverev holds and uh, holds on an unforced error. I'm pretty sure it was an error uh, by Berrettini to make it six five zero on changeover. And then Berrettini this like set or not this set but more more specifically this game really showcased uh, just the strengths of Berrettini. So these this these next three bullet points that I have here because I actually had a lot of notes for this uh, match uh, really highlighted uh, the overall great qualities that Berrettini had that uh, sort of went his way uh, for this set. But uh, yeah, so there was a nice cross court forehand by Berrettini to make it thirty fifteen. Nice down the line forehand by Berrettini to make it 40-15. Nice down the line forehand again to make it six soul. And then it's obviously tiebreakers at that point. So Berrettini wins five straight tie-breaking points. I think he was the first one. Uh, I think, yeah, it was uh, Zverev was the first one to serve on the tiebreaker. But again, he won five straight tie-breaking uh, tie points, uh, which I, th I thought he would actually like win uh, the tiebreaker in like 7-2 or like 7-3. I did not expect it to be like up to 18 points. But yeah, at that point, he won nine of the last 10 uh, points. And that was like a great rhythm uh, for Berrettini, obviously, uh, as I'll discuss uh, ahead. His forehands are just amazing. And the amount of pace and spin that he's able to elicit out of those forehands is just a marvelous sight to see. Zverev uh, finally wins a point, and then he won three more points after that to make it 5-4. Nice forehand down the line again by Berrettini. Zverev ties the tie, uh, tie, uh, ties at the tiebreaker at six, uh, uh, as Berrettini makes a crucial uh, mistake. Uh, I think it was like during a rally, and he just, I maybe the ball went just too wide, or the ball didn't even go uh, over the net. But yeah, it was that was a bad mistake. Ace by Zverev makes it seven six, and I'm like, okay, if. Prior uh, results can indicate future outcome, then Zverev probably will win uh, the next point. But no, Berrettini then makes it 7-all. Uh, Zverev makes an unforced—I'm uh, pretty sure it was an unforced error—to uh, make it 8-7 Berrettini. Zverev ties once again to make it 8-8 by Berrettini error. And you really saw like the errors really pile up. Uh, not only during this tiebreaker, but also during the second and third set. Not so much for Zara, more so Berrettini, but obviously uh, you would see the errors uh, pile up. But it, for this tie, for this tiebreaker, or for this set, uh, it would definitely went Berrettini's way. Berrettini then went 9-8 on a double fall by Zverev. Not that great for Zverev. And there was a time where like, his second serve would just be as dominating as his first serve, uh, which was interesting to really point out. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Berrettini wins on tiebreaker and the set on an ace. I'm pretty sure it was an ace. Uh, again, it, it kind of blurs the lines between whether or not the second serve uh, was successful and not uh, not really be be able to return, or if it's just like an ace because it was really hard to distinct the two because both players just had unbelievable pace uh, to their. Uh, to their serves and at one point like it was over 120 kilometers per mile which was <laughs> impressive to say the least but yeah so at that point Berrettini won that set on a type on a tiebreaker 7-6 10-8 and that was the first time Zero lost a set in the entire Madrid Open and that's just unbelievable he didn't drop a set till then like that's impressive to say the least 
Uh, so yeah, let's get into the second set. Uh, nice drop shot by Berrettini to bring Zverev up to the net. Hits vicious ground stroke right at Zverev to make it 15 all. I'm just going to like sort of make it simple out. Just like go line by line by line here. Uh, not necessarily uh, discuss it at fully because I spent a lot of time on the first set. <laughs> but uh, let's go. Uh, Berrettini holds serve, makes it 1-0. Zverev holds serve, makes it 1-1. Ace by uh, Berrettini makes it 15 love. I, I'm pretty sure it was an ace again. It's hard to distinguish between the ace and second serve because th th those two serves are just very fast. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was an ace. Uh, 15 love, 1-1. Forehand down the line, Berrettini makes it 30 uh, love, 1-1. Berrettini makes it 40 love. Berrettini holds serve, makes it 2-1 on changeover. Zverev holds serve, makes it 2-0. Nice down the line backhand by Berrettini, make it 40 love. Berrettini holds, makes it 3-2. Zverev holds, makes it 3-all. Nice shot by Berrettini for a winner as Berrettini makes that advantage. Berrettini holds serve on a drop shot as Berrettini goes up the 4-3 on changeover. Nice shot by Zverev near the net to make it 30 love. Zverev holds, serves, ties. Ties it at four games apiece in the second set. Zverev gets the double break to make it 5-4. Zverev double faults, makes it all love 15. And again, uh, during that time, Zverev hit a lot of second serves that could be for an ace. Like, he was just like that gung-ho with just having that much speed and precision with the ball that at certain points he, he would just pile on up on double faults for no apparent reason. But uh, unforced error by Zero makes it 30 all. Ace by Zero makes it 40-30. Nice sequence as Vera brings Berrettini up to the net. Berrettini hits a shot too wide as Verev gets the set point and again he was able to win the second set based off correcting himself and his mistakes and failures in the first set and really sticking to tennis that was sort of highlighted the importance of reliability hitting nice clean ground strokes and above all just having his head in the game so that he didn't have to make the same mistakes over and over and over again and when you have an individual that's so focused on succeeding at all costs, then you can't really discount that player whatsoever. You know, it, it's it's you can't discount a player that is able to succeed at that high of a level and sort of make it a statement. And you know that win against Berrettini uh, really hampered down on Berrettini a lot. Uh, and it's sort of, as you will see in the third set, it really forced. Berrettini to make several mistakes and errors that did not go his way whatsoever and it was a gra like it was a rampant departure from what we saw from the first set uh, so with no further ado let's get right into the third set and uh, I'll discuss what happened there nice ace Berrettini make a 15 all nice smash by Berrettini make a 30 15 nice forehand ground stroke by Berrettini makes a 40 15 unforced error by Zvera makes it 1-0 as Berrettini holds serve and from there from then on out it was just Really sad seeing for uh, for Berrettini, but again, uh, two aces by Severa makes a 30 love. And again, I'm not so sure if they were aces or second serves uh, because they were just so like similar. Uh, forehand down the line by Severa makes a 40 love. Second serve makes a game for Severa 1 1. Unforced error by Berrettini makes it love 15. And their unforced, another error makes it love 30. Nice ground stroke winner to the ad court to make it 15 30. Nice ace by. Uh, Nice ace by Berrettini makes it 30 all. Nice forehand down the line. Berrettini make it 40 30. Nice volley by Berrettini holds her to make it 2 1. And again, it just gets. It, it, again, I, I should have said this about this game because after this game, after the changeover, Zivera was just a new man. Uh, forehand down the line, Berrettini makes it 15 all. Vicious ground stroke with an unbelievable pace. And that was sort of be, uh, the uh, outlier or the uh, great gray silver lining to it it's just just how unbelievable some of his ground strokes were uh zero double faults makes it 30 all ace by zvera makes it 40 30 error by zvera makes a deuce double fall by zvera makes it advantage berrettini back to deuce with zero serve zvera is able to win the deuce in the advantage it makes a whole um, uh, holds makes it two all unforced error by berrettini allows zero to break and go three two on changeover Couple errors by Berrettini on ground strokes make, makes a 30 love. Zvera, Zvera, uh, Zvera by Zvera makes a 40 30. Zvera holds and makes a 4 2. Berrettini holds, makes a 4 3. Nice ace by Zvera to make it 40 love. Zvera goes up 5 3. Drop shot by Berrettini makes Zvera go to the net, hit a shot on the line for a winner. Love 15, Zvera. Error by Berrettini makes a deuce. Nice shot down the line by Zvera to go back to, to deuce. 
Noise, Forehand, Groundstroke by Berrettini makes a deuce. Error by Berrettini makes it a Van Zverev. Zverev breaks Berrettini on an error as Zverev wins the Madrid Open. All right, so hopefully I did that to the best of my ability. I talked about this for 15 minutes, but uh, or highlighted it for 15 minutes, but I want to really get into this topic uh, that really made me interested as to seeing the juxtaposition between Zverev and Berrettini and how Sasha Zverev was able to beat Matteo Berrettini at the Madrid Open. And Zverev, again, as I've said in the highlight, it was great on the ace, great on second serve, and more importantly, allowed Matteo Berrettini to make errors, especially on that second and third set. There are certain uh, shots, ground strokes by Berrettini that were wide. There were certain uh, drop shots by Berrettini right at the baseline that could have gone in, but overall hit the net and bounced back right onto Berrettini's side. And overall, that was sort of how Sasha Zverev was able to beat Matteo Berrettini. Was able to he was able to sort of pull back, not necessarily force it, but at the same time be more tactical and. Again, his serves had unbelievable pace to it, and once again, he was just able to be more reliable uh, on the baseline and was able to second-guess himself, not only second-guess himself, but also uh, was able to go up to the net uh, and be more confident at the net as opposed to what he was during that tie-breaking first set. Uh, in terms of Berrettini's side, uh, while Berrettini had these unbelievable forehands with great pace, and I think Berrettini's game suits him for the clay, because uh, again, those forehands down the line or across court, I mean, those those were just some beautiful uh, shots that he made. He also had some great serves, as he would make it evident in uh, that uh, first set as well, and also against Kasper Ruud in the semifinal. And again, uh, as I was saying, drop shots as well. I mean, Zverev, uh, I mean, he was just playing Zverev like a toy uh, in that first set. Now, obviously, Zverev would win the second and third sets, obviously. Uh, but again, that first set uh, by Berrettini uh, sort of like left a blueprint as to what Zverev could expect and sort of succeed in uh, uh be better, uh, for lack of a better word, in terms of uh, getting points his way. And, you know, that's sort of how Zverev was able to win. You know, again, it was no easy feat for Zverev to win. Uh, you know, he had to get past Rafa Nadal. He had to get past Dominic Team. You know, I mean, the that bracket was way difficult, or just Sasha Zverev, Alexander Zverev's bracket was way more difficult than that of Berrettini. Um, again, he had to beat the King of Clay in Spain. You know, I mean, that's no difficult, uh, That I mean, that's no easy accomplishment to do. I mean, that's extremely difficult to accomplish. Um, you know, so again, hats off to Zero on the win. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more great things coming his way. And um, while he may not win Roland Garros or maybe the Italian Open, uh, I think uh, his success uh, sort of rivals that of Tsitsipas at the Monte Carlo Rolex Masters. Just how... Uh, Un unbeatable they were and just how dominating they were against the competition so uh props to Zverev on the win and uh hopefully we're able to see more of Zverev uh as the uh matches go by as the tournaments go by so yeah that's that's where I want to end it there so uh I don't know it was very interesting like to see the post-game press conference for the match because like obviously Sasha Zverev is German and um, there were no questions for him whatsoever. You know, like there were no questions uh, at all. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, he was sort of mad about it, irate about it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see like him getting mad at uh, the press for not, uh, for, for, for them not asking any questions. But yeah, uh, it's just sort of interesting to see. So... All right, so let's get into the WTA. Why not? Okay, so Sabalenka versus Barty final. So Arena Sabalenka, hopefully I'm saying her name right, uh, won against n the number one seed, Ashley Barty, 6-love, 3-6, And it was very interesting to watch. And I'm not, I'm not going to like necessarily recap this match because uh, I only watched like, the highlights of it. And uh, I watched some of the first set. Uh, it was like 6-love. I mean... Sabalenka bageled her, 
Uh, but yeah, it was. I, I I wanted to talk about this match uh, because during the match, uh, the tennis channel, I think tennis channel, uh, aired a Sasha Zverev interview during the women's final. And honestly, like some people will say, oh, tennis channel doesn't care about women's tennis. I didn't like find it that I didn't find that the case. I was just like I just found it hilarious to say the least. I, I just like I honestly like don't blame him because like I mean Sasha Zverev was the talk of the town. You know I know a lot of people dislike Sasha Zverev because of the allegations that are uh, are against him. But I think there's a difference between um, Sasha Zverev the tennis player versus Sasha Zverev uh, the person. And uh, again, you have to realize that. You know, these are accusations and we should still value innocent until proven guilty. You know, I, I still value that. I still value the court of law. So uh, you should not never really take any stock in uh, just allegations or hearsay because, again, they're just allegations. And unless they're uh, gone to trial, then you then maybe have more speculation. But as of, as of this moment, I think you should just let Sasha Zvera play tennis and... Uh, you know, you shouldn't, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't discuss it or whatnot, but again, like, again, these are accusations, these are allegations, so it's a little difficult for me to be, like, all gung-ho about it, because, again, you should always, like, you should always value due process, that's that's all I'm going to say, but uh, yeah, it was just weird to, it was kind of hilarious to see an interview uh, during the women's final, but uh, yeah, uh, Sabalenka beat, beat Barty, 6-love, 3-6, 6-4, and part of the reason why Sabalenka won against Barty was just that she was just that much more dynamic, and she was able to really succeed on all fronts and accords, especially during that first set. She bageled her. I mean, the way, the way she was able to break Ashley Barty's serve, again, during that first set, I mean, Ashley Barty did not uh, break or even hold her serve. I mean, it was just a, it was just a straight slaughter fest by Sabalenka. And, you know, Ashley Barty just was not ready for her aggressiveness with her uh, fiery ground strokes. And above all, she was just able to out-aggressive her, in a, in a weird way to say. Uh, usually in the women's tennis, um, it's more aggression than, say, like, con- like counter-punching. You know, like, usually, like, in men's tennis, like, ever since, like, Djokovic has, ever since Djokovic, I think, uh, he sort of popularized the counterpuncher in a way where it was more sort of tactical, a lot more calculated shots and not necessarily taking risk, but just being consistent all of, uh, at, on each and every play and on each and every uh, uh, shot and on each and every, uh, whether it was uh, the the net or being at the baseline or just having a better second serve. Uh, he sort of valued the importance of counterpunching and you don't really see that in women's tennis which is actually a pretty good sight to see uh, I'm not going to complain because you do actually see a uh, more aggressiveness you actually do see a lot more potent ground strokes that may go for unforced errors but are trying to win on each and every point and you know it's a, it's a very different playing style when you're watching women's tennis and Sabalenka really exuded that during that third set, obviously, she dropped that second set, 3-6, which, uh, you know, she sort of corrected herself during that third set. But again, it was just amazing to watch her win and succeed. I think she won, if I'm not mistaken, like the Delray Beach Open or uh, some tournament previously around like the Aussie Open uh, cycle. But uh, it was just inter- interesting to watch her succeed. And uh, Owen from Tennis Nation, uh, which you should follow, Tennis Nation at Tennis Nation on Twitter, uh, basically tweeted out during a match just another level from Sablink at the end there. Won the last Olympic points of the match, and obviously it was that third set. Even though it was 6 4, it felt like 6 1 or 6 2. Uh, no disrespect to Barty. Obviously, she is a very accomplished player, but it did feel like Sablink was just like on a tear, uh, it was just on a run during that last third set. And it was just very interesting to watch, and hopefully we're able to see more Sabalenka succeed and dominate at that high of a level uh, later on uh, in the in the Roland Garros in Roland Garros or in the U.S. Open. You know, I'm very interested to watch and see how she comes or how she just continues this. You know, and on the flip side, I'm interested to seeing how Barty uh, sort of views this. And how she's able to balance out back after this uh, really bad loss for her.
you know so even though it was a valiant effort by Barty I think uh, we'll, we'll still see Barty continue to succeed you know this is not just the end for Barty I mean she's actually Barty is a very accomplished individual and you're just going to see more of her uh, as this ATP or as this WTA schedule progresses so uh, that's sort of my five or six minutes on the on that so anyways let's get into the semifinals that happen on Saturday so I'll, I'll just give you uh, the rundown as to what happened. Uh, similar to w- what I was saying about Berrettini and Zverev, I'll just give you the abridged version as to what happened on that, on that Saturday semifinal. So Zverev beats team 6-3-6-4. Um, not much to say here, so I'll just, again, give you the abridged version of it. Hopefully you guys won't mind or won't mind about it, but yeah. Burp, sorry. Dominic team uh, loses to Zverev, three six four six straight sets. Dominic team goes to his fourth straight semifinal at the Madrid Open. I was really looking forward to seeing this epic battle because you know, or looking forward to it because of what I saw last year at the U.S. Open final and just how great those two were and just a clinic that they had. It was one of the best matches of that last year and really highlighted. Uh, the future of ATP tennis, and I was really happy that I was able to watch it in real time because, again, you know that those backhands and forehands by team, like what, even though they may not happen all the time, like but when they do, I mean it, it rivals any other shot on that ATP tour. It really does. It, it's a great, great thing to see and and to watch. So I'm just happy to to really see it in real time. So anyways, let's get right into it. Nice slice volley by Zverev to go up 40-30. First game, hold serve. Team wins second game through Zverev's on four stairs, hold serve. Team brings Zverev up to the net on a drop shot and hits a forehand, gets the winner and make it deuce. 1-1. Nice one-hand backhand by team down the line to make it advantage third game. Zverev holds serve and goes 2-1 on changeover. Nice overhead volley by team to make it 30-15, 1-2. Team, smash by team, makes a deuce. Smash by Zverev, makes a deuce. Zverev complaining about serving on the court. Remakes it to deuce, and he really complained during this match. And if I'm Zverev, I would say just calm down on the complaining to the umpire because right now people do not like you. And the more you complain, even though like it may be good for ratings, the more people will not like you. You know, so... If you're, if you're going to complain, then go do it, but just know that you're going to have a lot of people hate you. I mean, you might be considered the Jake Paul of tennis, so with not only the allegations stemmed across from you, but also just the unpopularity that you might bring to the sport if you continue this behavior. So Zverev, do not, do not continue complaining, or don't continue complaining, because if you do, even if it brings more eyeballs to the sport, you're going to have a lot of people hate you. And it may not be good for the future of tennis. So, I mean, just be mindful of that, Zverev. You know, be very mindful of how you're viewed because right now your popularity is tanking. You know, it really is. So, anyways, team double faulted a lot in the fourth game. And, you know, again, it was it was more team sort of losing to himself than Zverev. Uh, but, again, very good, very good uh, valiant effort by team there. A uh, one-hand backhand on the deuce court by team. It goes back to deuce. Zverev hits, wins on a four, fourth break point of the, on the fourth game to make 3-1. Zverev disagreed with the umpire again in the fifth game. A nice sequence by team, which led to a backhand slice for a winner as Zverev was near the net to make it 40-30 Zverev. Zverev wins the fifth game to make it 4-1. Nice cleaner by Zverev, but Zverev, but subsequent ground show goes out of the court. And you know, I heard the commentators during that uh, tweener by Zverev like sort of complain like, oh, he's like flashy. But I, th- I think a, a, a tweener every now and again brings and elicits a certain reaction from the fans. And more often than not, they support it. So, you know, keep doing those tweeners, you know, as long as it gets eyeballs to the sport, uh, then good for you. But I just think for Zverev, he should stop complaining because <laughs> it's, it's not going to bode well for people to watch the sport. Uh, especially those who are very active and vocal uh, with their displeasure, uh, that voice their displeasure on Zero. But anyways, nice forehand down the line by a team to make a 40-love. 
team wins point on a, on a drop shot to make it 4-2. It's Vera goes up 5-2 on changeover. Team holds Sarah win, win pick up on the clay and it got into not only Sasha's Vera's eyes, but also Dominic team's eyes, uh, which I thought was very interesting to see and how like the surfaces sort of uh, changed the overall result of the match and how they sort of, especially when it comes to the wind, I never really th- view the wind as like a factor in terms of in terms of the, of the play, on, especially on clay. But uh, nice forehand down the line to make it 15 loves, 0 5 3, 0 wins on an overhead smash on two set points to win 6 3. Second set, nice overhead smash to make it love 15, love love by Zverev, nice backhand by Zverev to make it 30 40, Zverev in first game. Uh, team holds first game on an unforced error, Zverev holds serve, ties it up at 1 1. Team double faults to make it 30 love, have three double faults at that point. A drop shot by team leads to zero above the net. One hand backhand by team makes a 30 all. Zverev wins third game on, on error by, by Zverev as he breaks the third game. Or, sorry, Zverev wins third game on error for, for Zverev as he breaks third game. Leads 2 1. Zverev hit, uh, serves, hits forehand to make a 15 love. Zverev hits a forehand and hits the net. Somehow gets in the court and he sort of did this motion as well during that point. Uh, fourth 15. Zverev goes up 3 1. Nice smash by team to make a 30 all in the fifth game. Team had trouble uh, serving in the second set. Very much so. Like, very, very much so. Uh, so, yeah, nice forehand by Zverev to make it uh, advantage 1-3. Zverev wins on second break with a forehand down the line to make it 4-1. Wins on break as it goes to changeover. Team wins on a double break to make it 2-4. Zverev, nice volley by team to end the rally and make it 15-30. Zverev still, still, still complaining about the ball to the umpire uh, and ball placement and where the ball was actually uh, landed at, and what, whether it was in or out, uh, which again, you know, it may elicit people to watch it, but they're not going to support you. I mean, you know, it, they really aren't. You're, I think in a lot of ways, I, I sort of view Zverev as like the Jake Paul of the tennis world, you know, in a lot of ways I do. But uh, yeah, anyways, Zverev still, oh uh, yeah, I already said that. Uh, volley by team doesn't go his way at Zverev. Ground strike by Zverev doesn't go over the net, makes it advantage for team. Overhead smash. By Zvera makes it two makes it makes it go back to deuce, reach the, th- the fourth deuce of the game, reach the fifth deuce of the game. I said please end this right now. <laughs> uh, team holds ser- uh, serve on error by zero ground stroke four three zero leaves on changeover. Nice forehand down the line by zero to make it fifteen all. Zero holds with a chance to break to go to the Madrid Open final. So it was five three at that point. Nice drop shot by zero from the drop of. Uh, from the drop shot by team to go ahead to the left 15. Team holds serve on a one-hand backhand to make it 4 or 5 on changeover. Three consecutive aces by Zverev gets him 30 love, 5-4. Double faults makes it 40-15. Uh, nice cross-court forehand by Zverev to win the match. Up two match points and hold serve. Sasha Zverev won the Madrid Open semifinal. Congratulations to Madri- uh, Alexander Zverev on that. Okay, let's get into Berrettini versus Rude. Uh, and then I'll obviously t- discuss the Elon Musk and uh, my weekly pick. Uh, okay. Right on time. Okay. I thought this like podcast will be like <laughs> long, but apparently not. Okay. So let's get into Rude Berrettini. Berrettini wins against Rude 6 4, 6 4. Obviously, we, uh, if you watch the Madrid Open final, you, you would know Berrettini won against Rude. Uh, so I, I watched like. Like the first, or the last, I would say six games of the first set, and watch uh, watch the second set. I uh, wasn't able to watch like the first two uh, games of that uh, first set. So, uh, Berrettini holds with the nays to make it two all. I'm just giving you the, the disclaimer there. Uh, Rude double faults makes it forty thirty. Rude holds serve makes it three two. And again, I want to say for this match, like the tennis channel, like for some reason their footage was just so choppy. And like at some at certain points, it would just like pause, and then all all of a sudden, it would just like fast forward through a point. If it had this sort of like sixties, seventies feel, which worked well back in the day, but I, I it it doesn't work, it doesn't translate well now because I just couldn't like watch the match. I, maybe it was just my like feed, but overall, like maybe like get it together, tennis channel. Uh, in, in terms of like watching the match because I, I just couldn't watch the match it was just I could but it was just difficult to like follow through on each and every point and like really digest each and every point because 
at certain points it would just like all of a sudden just be like it would go from like love love to like 30 love and i'm like what what just happened like is it my feed or is it theirs if it's my feed then i just have egg on my face but if it's theirs then maybe change it you know uh all right where was i uh baratini holds ties at a three all a nice drop shot by brew to make a 43 three all Rude goes up 4-3 on changeover. Drop shot by Berrettini makes a 15-love, 3-4. Berrettini holds, makes a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, forehand down the line makes a 15-love. Nice shot by Berrettini. Uh, four, uh, ground stroke forehand makes a 30-40. Rude double faults, makes a deuce. Rude smash advantage. Rude Berrettini breaks up serve. Or breaks serve up at 5-4. Four, four. He broke a serve. Forehand Berrettini, 30-love, 5-4. Berrettini wins on three set points to take the set 6-4. Okay, uh, second set. And again, I'm just going to skim right through it because I just want to give you like the highlights of that match. Uh, drop shot by Berrettini, least unforced error by Root. Left 15, Berrettini. Root holds serve, goes up one love. And the second, nice uh, beforehand? No, forehand by Berrettini. I don't know why I said before, uh, beforehand. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm retarded. <laughs> by Berrettini, a crossword for winner, 15 love. Nice ace by Berrettini, 40 love. Berrettini ties it up one apiece. Root holds, makes it 2-1. Berrettini holds two apiece. Drop shot by Berrettini to make it 40-30. Root. Root holds serve, 3-2. Forehand by Berrettini down uh, down deuce corner makes it 40-love, 2-3. Berrettini holds, makes it 3-all. Root makes unforced error, though it's wide. 15-40, Berrettini. Nice forehand winner cross court by Berrettini. Wins on a double break for the game and goes for a changeover. Rally leads to Berrettini to the net. Berrettini hits past him for a winner, 40-15. And we obviously see that uh, in against Siverev in the final. Berrettini hits winner near the net. Goes up 5-3 as he holds serve. Rude holds serve as, he, as they go to changeover. 5-4 Berrettini. Berrettini serves for the match. Berrettini on second match point wins the set and the match. So again, just wanted to give you my th- uh, just wanted to give you the highlights of the match because I'm pretty sure uh, the tennis highlights would last like between like two three minutes. So like I just wanted to give you as like a like a visualization as to what transpired because obviously I can't air the highlights. That's their material. That's their footage. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give you like how Berrettini won the match and the steps that it took for Berrettini to win against Casper Ruud. So yeah, uh, definitely I've, I felt like Berrettini's quadrant or the way that he was able to progress to the final, the competition surrounding him was not that of Zverev. You know, I, I, I discussed this earlier in the podcast, but it felt like Berrettini had inferior competition and it sort, sort of showed with his success rate in that second and third set against Zverev. Even though he won that first set, and congrats to Veratini on winning that tiebreaker, I do think that... I don't think... I, let me let me say this in a very sort of delicate manner. I don't think Veratini will have the ability to be in that upper echelon. And when I mean upper echelon, I don't mean big three. I, I think that's a reach, but I still don't think he, he has that ability to be with the Zverevs and the Sitsipasis. I, I just don't. You know, even, even though like Zverev and Sitsipas have yet to win a major yet, I still don't believe that Berrettini has the ability to be in that position. And part of it is because more often than not, it, it feels as, as if Berrettini has his best games against great talent, but other days he loses to competition that or to players that I sort of glance at and say, you should have won that match. You should have won that point. You shouldn't have made that ground stroke so wide. You know, like there's certain times where I watch Berrettini play and I'm like, this could have been done better. You know, like, and you, you can say that about a lot of players, but more specifically for Berrettini, that happens to be the case. And, you know, I think that's more often than not going to be how we view Berrettini, not only after the Madrid Open final, but just his career in general. So, but I'm reluctant, you know, hopefully he can succeed and, you know, do well. Uh, I just don't see it happening, to to be quite honest with you. Okay, so I think we're all done with tennis. I think we've discussed enough tennis for maybe another day or so. Obviously, the Italian Open is happening, so make sure you watch that if you haven't. Or if you're, if you're going to watch it, make sure you watch it. I'm pretty sure tomorrow they're going to have, like, Taylor Fritz 
and you know Fusovic, maybe Andre Rublev. I'm not so sure. Maybe uh, John Exner. I think John Exner played against her catch today, uh, and I think they. I think Sinner won against her catch. He had a pretty good rally against uh, her catch too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so yeah, I say if I'm not mistaken a lot. My apologies, but yeah. Anyways, let's get to get, let's get into what happened on SNL uh, last Saturday night. So if you guys didn't watch, Elon Musk hosted SNL, and I watched it, not live because who watches, who who has a who, who values appointment television? You know, most of the time SNL just puts their clips on YouTube, and I think SNL knows that they get their views more so through YouTube than actually watch than people actually watching on NBC Universal. But yeah, Elon Musk hosted SNL, and it was okay. There are a few sketches that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the Wario sketch. I think Grimes was in it. If I, I think she was as Princess Peach. I also somewhat enjoyed uh, Chat on Mars with Pete Davidson. Uh, but overall, it was just your run-of-the-mill SNL episode. Uh, not necessarily focused on the jokes. It was more so like a marketing campaign by Elon Musk to sort of normalize him to uh liberals because he knows that liberals more often than not dislike him not necessarily for like his views on unions but more so because like his denial or 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 on covid which makes no sense i mean like shouldn't you value like his views on unions more so than his view on covid i mean it's been a year you know you should probably get more mad at the government for instituting lockdowns that depraved people of making an earnest living than elon musk i mean elon musk is actually <laughs> aligned with working class people when it comes to uh covid so again like that's just my opinion on that uh but yeah going back to those catches there it was okay it was just your run-of-the-mill episode uh again it's in my opinion like when i view elon musk and when I've not so like not so much like him being a billionaire because I, I don't really I do whatever he's a billionaire but uh when I view his comedy it, it it reminds me of Fred remember Fred remember back in the golden days of YouTube or the glory days of YouTube like late two thousands early twenty tens there was this YouTuber named Fred who had a very passionate fan base who had a very insular fan base who really loved and appreciated the character uh that he was portrayed on youtube uh, obviously it was done by lucas Cruikshank. um and he had a very passionate fan base that found him funny you know but then he went on viacom for children which is known as nickelodeon and what happened was that things that went well on youtube did not really translate on the big screen or on television. And I sort of got the vibe from Elon Musk because what was thought of or what people thought was funny on the internet more often than not doesn't translate on television. When you see certain sketches, uh, when you see like Elon Musk on Weekend Update and Elon Musk with glasses in a suit, he looks like Nanette. He looks like Hannah Gadsby. <laughs> you know, like he really does. Uh, but, you know, I sort of viewed him as, like, the Fred, like, a dorky, not, maybe not a dorkier version of Fred, because Fred is dorky, but, like, just, like, in that same vein, like, a person that, you know, just is not that, you know, funny, you know, like, for me, like, when I picture a billionaire, I don't picture him on SNL, I want my billionaires to be billionaires, I want them to, you know, have Gatsby-like parties, I want them to sort of be in a castle and maybe like you know in like on like an island somewhere maybe like associated with epstein or something like i don't want them to be on snl trying to ingratiate themselves to an affluent liberal audience like it's just so dumb like like why 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 do we want to like why do we want to like make billionaires like like try and be friendly like to be honest with you like some people may say like billionaires don't exist or shouldn't exist, which we will. I think that's kind of a dumb twist of logic right there. 
I think corny billionaires shouldn't exist. Like, I, I don't think corny billionaires have the right to exist. And when I look at Elon Musk, it's like, he's a he's kind of corny. Like, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Like, there are certain things that I, like, support and, like, like value from Elon Musk. I think him, like, tweeting his support for crypto is kind of nice because, like, it gives, like, an alternative currency and not necessarily backed by fiat currency that we're currently seeing with uh, how much the government has how much the government has printed in the past year or so based on nothing and how it leads to inflation and how it's based off of quantitative easing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Elon Musk is kind of corny, man. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. He kind of is corny. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we, we see more of Elon Musk on Twitter than say on SNL because he like in terms of funny for his audience, he's way more funny to that for his specific audience than he was on SNL, you know. But again, SNL is SNL. I mean, <laughs> they're both unfunny in real life. So let's leave it at that, you know. Um, yeah. There are certain cast members that I like from SNL. I mean, I like Michael Che. Uh, I can take Pete Davidson and beat bits and doses. I think too much Pete Davidson is not good. And I think Pete Davidson would admit too much Pete Davidson is not good. Uh, but yeah, I... I don't know how people can watch that show in its entirety, especially with what they did with Trump and not necessarily hosting Trump, but with like being like anti-Trump, but then on the flip side, being pro-Hillary, anti-Bernie or being pro-Hillary, but sort of lukewarm on Bernie. Like it makes no sense, like why they would like support like a genocidal war criminal known as Hillary Clinton and then view Trump as the devil, you know, it, even though Trump did commit war crimes during his presidency. I mean, what he's done to Yemen is a disgrace. It, it truly is. But, uh, yeah, SNL is in a weird spot right now because they don't know what to do since Trump is out of office. But at the same time, it's still SNL and it's not that funny. So they're in a weird position where they're trying to play like to both sides. And I think Elon Musk sort of was that catalyst so that they, he, can, he can bring like center right people onto his side or on want to watching snl but still it was it was not that interesting to watch and honestly i regret ever talking about it but yeah that's what happened anyways let's get into my weekly pick so each and every tuesday i recommend a book a piece of art a film or um, or a, an album that I really enjoyed and that I want to recommend for you guys. And I recently found this author on Joe Rogan. And the re the reason why I got into watching or not watching, yeah, watching the episode, watching the podcast episode, but also reading the book was because he was just such an interesting individual who had really great life stories. He spent some time in Japan, Tokyo. He was a journalist there. Um, he has pretty cool, interesting stories with uh, Donald Rumsfeld, uh, which obviously I'm not in support of Rumsfeld. I think everybody in the Bush uh, administration should be uh, prosecuted for war, war crimes. But, you know, he really has some really great, interesting stories, especially with that of uh, stand-up comedy. You know, apparently he got punched by a, a stand-up comedian. But I'm saying this because I think authors need to find better ways to market themselves. I think... If you want to market yourself as an author, you don't just release a book and then just go away. I don't think that happens anymore. I think you sort of have to ingratiate yourself with the audience, sort of relate to them in a way and, you know, have these cool, interesting stories that can make for good podcast listening. And I was really, I really enjoyed listening to Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast with this author. And that made me read the book. And I really, really enjoyed this book. And without no further ado, the weekly pick. For this podcast is Josh Rogan's Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, Z, and the Battle of the 21st Century. Uh, it's a basically, it's a great book. I really value it. I really enjoy it. It's about uh, China's relationship with America and how it's been strained over the past couple of years and what those in power can do to essentially alleviate this this relationship and sort of mend these wounds that are currently happening with this relationship without it leading in, it into a cold or a hot war. 
And I, and I really want to put like an emphasis on cold and hot war because when people sort of write books, especially on the on the right about China, they sort of give like this sort of slight nod saying, oh, we want a cold war with China, which I don't think that does anybody any favors. You know, I mean, look at what happened with the cold war with Russia. It was just horrible. It was really, really bad to watch in real time. But I really, really enjoyed the book. It really highlighted certain people in power and how they misused their influence to uh sort of go against working class individuals and how ever since like globalism it sort of led to uh economic conditions for working class people to be strained uh it was very similar to that of and i know i'm gonna get like a thousand eye rolls for this but like it was very similar to that of like christopher latch's uh book revolt of the elites and the betrayal of democracy I know I, I know it may say, sound like a broken record because every book that like talks about like globalism and like talks about like things in terms of a right wing perspective, it often gets affiliated with Christopher Latch. But I really I really think it is. I think it's like a 21st century book or 21st century version of Christopher Latch. And I really enjoyed it. And I think you guys will enjoy it, too. Um it was pretty it was pretty much like an easy read so shouldn't last like a week or so and um yeah i'm, I'm interested still reading josh holly's book in the next week um, i'm probably going to recommend that book as well because i'm currently reading josh holly's book the tyranny of big tech and uh yeah I, I think it's great you know so for this week i'm recommending josh rogan's chaos under heaven trump c in the battle for the 21st century josh rogan not joe rogan josh rogan uh, it's going to be in the link in the description on my YouTube channel, so go check it out if you haven't. All right, so with no further ado, that'll be the end of the podcast for today. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel. Click the bell icon for details as well or to get uh, notifications for our future episodes as well. And make sure you uh, click the uh, like button as well. So more and more people can uh, watch it. And uh, that'll be it for today. Uh, again, you can type in the Educator Podcast on YouTube. It's the first search result. Click it, and you'll find the videos there. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. We'll talk about the Italian Open. We'll discuss things that are happening in our political, societal culture as well. But I, I, uh, we may also discuss... Uh, Nadal and what we can expect in terms of Nadal during the specific period in time in terms of the Italian Open and the Roland Garros as well. So anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you guys on Thursday. All right, guys. Peace. See y'all.